This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave. In the piney woods of north central Florida, God's country, here in the Melvin Law Studio. Melvin Law, the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Gators and protected 24-7, 365 by Crime Prevention with Randy Elrad and John Pastore and sponsored by On The Spot Cleaners. Always take your clothing to On The Spot. Great patronizers, Poser MD. If you ever need any reconstructive surgery, God knows that's touch up here and touch up there. I don't need that. And our guest today doesn't need it either. Uh, we're going to talk for the next half hour with Dance Alive National Ballet, my long time buddy, my first partner when I was in Dancing with the Stars years ago, who was a principal dancer for Dance Alive National Ballet, the beautiful Carla Mancio, who is from Brazil and native language is Portuguese. And I've always tried to get her to speak more English. So if you hear the accent, it's because she doesn't follow my instructions. <laughs> Good morning, Lord. <laughs> How are you going to learn to follow my instructions? Oh yes, I have to. I have to start doing that right after seventeen years. Can you? Yeah, wait? after we danced together and I followed your instructions, <laughs> you don't follow mine. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> We're here to talk about a beautiful uh, performance that's coming up that has been repeated, I think, by irresistible popular demand. It is a fantastic production called Swan Lake. I'm going to, in a moment, be quiet and get out of the way and let Carla tell you the story of the whole thing, how it gets started, what you do to rehearse, how many people are in it. You must see Swan Lake particularly if you've never seen it before. The way in which the swans are depicted is alone worth the price of admission. So I would say get prepared to see a fantastic performance. We did perform it one time already. And Carl, I think it's sold out every time we performed it. Am I right? Yes. was amazing. Very crowded. was a lot of emotion. was like... I have no words to say how I got excited and happy for doing this so amazing ballet in my life. Well, let's talk yeah. about that, why it's so amazing. Of all the ballets you've done, you know, which are, you know, more than I have fingers and toes, uh, what is it about this one? Well, oh my gosh, Swan Lake is one of the most traditional and famous ballet in the world. And um, having the opportunity to play the role of Odette, the delicate and charming white swan, it's a dream for me that comes true. Um, 
The stories of Swan Lake, it revolves around a young princess named Odette, uh, who is cursed by an uh, evil sorcerer, uh, who is the um, Rothbard, and who is going to be performing this role. It's under Andy Valadon. And um, he will transform her into a swan during the day. Uh, the course can only be broken by a true love. And the ballet explores themes of love, betrayal, and this battle between good and evil. And we have the Prince Siegfried that who is going to be performing... It's going to be Starling Baca. He is principal ballet dancer in Philadelphia Ballet. And he's coming here to Gainesville to join us in this amazing production. And he's one of the main characters in the Ballet Swan Lake. He's a young prince who is about to come of age and he's back to choose a bride. So then he goes on hunting expedition with his friends. And it is during this expedition that he encounters the Swan Queen, Odette, and who has been cursed by the sorcerer, uh, the Rothbard, and transformed into a swan. Uh, Prince Siegfried falls in love uh, with Odette, and he vows to break the curse and marry her. Uh, through the ballet, he faced various uh, ob obstacles, and at the end, he has to make a, a choice between his love for that and the trickery of uh, Rothbard. Um, Ward, I can say that the production itself is often so cap captivating, you know, uh, the set and the cosmos transport the audience to a magical world with opulent palaces, mist lakesides, uh, and this enchanting forests. And the corpse de baile, um, or we, we can call the group of swan maids, I mean, uh, moving perfect unison and creating these mesmerizing patterns on stage. Um, I can tell you that Padede uh, between Odette and the Prince Siegfried is always a highlight moment, and it's filled with a lot of passion and emotion. And um, overall, this one lake, it's, so challenge, so challenge for me. It has been so challenge, and being part of this such a timeless ballet and beloved production, uh, it's amazing for me. And I recognize that it is a great responsibility to be on stage and to play a character that requires so much technical and artist precision. And so it is with great joy and gratitude that I would like to thank Kim Tuttle, the director of Dance Alive National Ballet, um, 
from the bottom of my heart because she trusts in my abilities and she um, uh, and she trusts in my abilities and for granting me this this unforgettable opportunity in my life in my career as a dancer to be part of this such uh, a stunning production. Like I said, Swan Lake is absolutely amazing ballet and it's a great honor for me today be part of that production that Dance Alive National Ballet it's doing on 27 uh, October 27 at Flip Center um, at 7.30 p.m. And I also like to say something. Um, like I said, I will be doing the role of Odette. Starling Baca, the principal ballet uh, of Philadelphia Ballet, will be doing the prince. Andy Valadon will be doing the rock bar, the evil. And Roberto Vega, that is also a principal ballet dancer in Dance Alive National Ballet, he's the one who is have been rehearsing with me all this time uh, for me to be ready for this production because dancing uh, Swan Lake, it's like I said, it's an incredible experience and requires uh, a combination of techniques, precision, emotion, expression, and a lot of stamina. So um, I want to thank Roberto Vega for um, being there for me and to be rehearsal with me all the time. And I am really grateful for him. Well, you know, you did not overstate anything. It's uh, a very demanding. How long is the show? I think it's just alone to work out at that long at that level isn't it a couple hours or so how long does it go it's about two hours yeah swan lake has four acts so we have uh, i think we have two intermissions because we have know. four acts yes and um but it's beautiful you know it's you go there and to watch and it's like uh, you go to an other world. It's a magical world, world yeah, yeah. you know? Like I said, the costumes are amazing. The production are, ama- the, the, are amazing. Um, the music composed by Tchaikovsky is beautiful and perfectly captures the emotions of the story. Uh, so in overall, watching Swan Lake is like stepping to a magical world where artistry and storytelling come together in this memorized way. It's like, oh, it's, it's, I have no, no words to say uh-huh. how I'm happy, how I'm thankful uh, in this moment of my life to be part of that. Talking with Carla Amancio about Swan Lake, which is yours truly has seen, and everyone who has seen it has been blown away by it. The uh, the passion, as Carla has alluded to, uh, the discipline, the 
beauty, just the costumes alone of the swans uh, are amazing. And the story is like a little kid's story in a way, in that it's always uh, romantic. And it's about, will the prince defeat the bad guy and get the good lady? And, you know, it's a matter of choice and a matter of of uh, making choices about uh, big situations in life. It's a classic, and then it has classic music accompanying it. And uh, we're going to do even more justice to it this time, I'm sure, than the last time we did it, because I think the last time we did it was the first time. But this will be, I believe, Carla, uh, the second time Dance Alive National Ballet has uh, put on this performance. Am I right about that? Is this the second? Yeah, you're right. You're perfect. Right. We did. We did this. Um, what well, it was our last show on the last last season, and King's repeating now. Um, it's gonna be our first show. It's our big show. Our big, big first show now in October, and like I in twenty twenty seven October twenty seven. 7.30, yes. Um, and we have already been practicing, rehearsing, and like I said, it's uh, a lot of requires, a lot of work, dedication, discipline, and we are very excited to be at stage and be part of that amazing production that Dance Alive National Ballet are doing. Let's talk a little bit about so people really appreciate it. What a life, uh, a day in the life of you is like when you say you've been preparing. What is a day like in your life for this production? Well, um, not only for this production, but of course that one is very special one. But my day life, I wake up and I do some exercise at home before I go to a studio because I'd like to warm up here at home first. And then I go to studio and we take class uh, in the morning. And then after the class, we start the rehearsals. And the rehearsals is, uh, we rehearse a lot of things, not just Swan Lake. We have been rehearsing right now for Swan Lake and we have been rehearsing for Requiem. That is a production that we're going to be performing in a church in November. And, uh, we also are rehearsing Meet the Dancers that we're going to dance tomorrow. Um, and also, we're going to start probably next week rehearsing uh, Nutcracker. Wow. Uh, so it's a lot of things, you know. We are all the time doing something, rehearsing, practicing something. And this is great because this really keep us in shape. Okay. And so, so after that, after all these rehearsals, uh, I come home, I eat something, you know, I kind of rest a little bit and I try to go to the, my, to the gym or also now I'm studying psychology. So I'm taking some classes and online, which I, I hope that this can improve my English. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, what gets me is you go to the gym after all of this working out already. Yeah. Yes, uh, it's not every day. Uh, I have a little gym here where I live. And so I can go there twice or three times per week because I want to make sure that my muscles are strength. You know, it's they are strong enough, especially for Swan Lake. And like I said before, it requires a lot of stamina. And this part really, really worries me because when you put all the four acts together, wow, it's, you really have to be there in shape and strong. I remember, and of course, uh, yeah, I remember the Chinese dancer who comes once in a while who was 65 oh, years old when I saw him dancing. Oh, ah, uh, two, two. Yeah, still dancing. yeah, he was yeah. he was amazing, amazing, amazing. Such a good professional, yeah, ballet dancer. Very impressed by him. Carla Masio yeah. is talking about two or three things here. Of course, our Dance Alive National Ballet, which is uh, composed of dancers from all over the world. Carla, where all of you danced? I mean, I know you and your colleagues have been everywhere. Can a few places uh, come to mind right away that you enjoyed going to? Um, I went to Europe and I danced there in Austria for a while and I really enjoy. Also, I went to France and it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Um, I went to Spain. I went to Turkey, Russia, with Dance Alive National Ballet, Cuba, uh, um, Brazil. We also went there to dance there. Um, let me see. There were so many places now that uh, let me think more. Um, oh, I, had, I, I, I have to say that I, have, I, I, I did... I went to a lot of places, and uh, I'm here right now in USA. And uh, for me, it's um, my family. Dance Alive is my family, you know. And I love to dance here in USA. I love to be here. I love the community. I love Gainesville. And Ward, uh, I, I, I would like to take a moment to express my deepest appreciation for all the support and dedication that you have provided <laughs> to Dance Alive National Ballet for all these years. <laughs> uh, you are very important and special person for our company. And I'm very grateful for everything that you have done for us. I, Carl, love you. And <laughs> I know Dance Alive love you too. And thank you so so much for everything that you have done for us. Well, it's we been really awesome. appreciated. <laughs> we kind of all started dancing with you and dancing with the stars, which we did years ago. It's so many years ago now. I can't, yeah. I can't believe it's years ago. I've changed a I, lot. You haven't changed at all. <laughs> I, yeah, well, I, changed. No, I think changed we have to repeat this again. It, you, I think you were one of my first partner on Dance with Stars. 
I think so. And was we had so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. I was like I was so happy to be dancing with you. And who well, knows we can repeat. <laughs> <laughs> you should dance yeah, with me again. <laughs> the first thing I realized is um uh, there was a lot of difference between dancing with you and dancing on top of a bar stool <laughs> in some nightclub, goofing off. You know, it was discipline dancing with you. I remember the one, two, three, the one, two, three, and uh, had to be synchronized. It was a lot of fun. And we worked on worked on that little uh, move we had, that acrobatic little move, and um, that was a lot of fun. But um, I know yeah. it's always fun, uh, and it's also very hard for us as a dancers, you know. Especially for me, you know, it's it's hard. It's it's hard uh, to memorize all the steps. I always take oh, a long time to memorize. Oh, I sometimes I get confused more than you guys. <laughs> oh come on now, come on! I know that's not right. Hey. Uh, Look at what's happened with the Dancing with the Stars, how big it's gotten. Isn't it fantastic? Yeah. <clears throat> the uh, one coming up in the spring is bigger than we've ever had before. Uh, we've got, I don't know, seeing people wanting in now, beating the door down. Uh, you don't have to go looking for the people. They go looking for us. And uh, you're dancing and Dancing with the Stars, I'm sure. Uh, this year... I probably will not be dance with uh, because, huh? Sorry. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, this year probably I will not be dancing, um, but uh, with uh, with a partner, like I mean, with a star, probably I will be dancing something with one of our dancers, oh. like a party day, you know, because um, in January. We're gonna be preparing for start being prepared for Giselle, which is other like amazing, um, big, huge, but ba- uh, classical ballet, and um, uh, King uh, King decide uh, for me to just focus more in Giselle, you know. So I probably will not be dancing uh, at Dance with Stars, but. I mean, when I say this is, I'm not going to be dance with uh, I star, you know. I probably will be dance other uh, other padede. I will be there dancing something. Right, yes. right, right. I understand. You will not be dancing with a person, an amateur. You'll be dancing. Uh, with no, no, I didn't want to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. I will not be dance with I star. <laughs> I will be dance with one of our dancers, which is our star too. But right, 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 I right. probably will be dance some classical. You know, it's the thing that I can do more, <laughs> the best way, <laughs> in my best. So Carla's been all over the world, as most of the other dancers have as well. It really is a. I want to touch base on something I don't think you've disclosed. You also became a citizen of this country, right? Oh yeah. Talk about yeah, that. First, yeah, first I I took my green card and then after some years um I applied for the citizen citizenship and today yes I'm American. I'm American and I can say that with very like uh 
I'm very like excited, you know, and I have, like I said before, it's so much honor for me to be part of this country. You know, he is my second family and I love USA and it was amazing um, to become citizen of this amazing country. I love here. I love, I love to be here. I love live here. Sometimes I go to Brazil and people ask, Oh, are you going to come back? And I say, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Cause I really enjoy, you know, to live here and, um, to dance with Dance Alive National Ballet. It's my life, you know. Well, you've been I all miss- over the world too. You could have gone anywhere you wanted to go. Yeah, right. I know, yeah. but like USA is, is in my heart. You know, and for me right now, there is no better place to live. Yeah, I miss a lot my family. Um, we have, we are family that we are very like strong and together, but we talk every day on the phone, you know, but, um, here, here right now, it's like, it's, it's my life. Well, I know that you, uh, uh, that, that becoming a citizen too, took a while. Then you have, what, what is the number of years it took for you to go through that? Well, I got here in 2007 and I become a citizen on 2013, I guess. Yes. So um, my process because people have different process, but my process, I, I had to take first the green card. And then after two or three years, I applied for the citizenship. And then I had to do the interview. I had to study. They asked me some questions. Was very like, I was really nervous, you know, but the day that I become citizens, Sitzen um, was beautiful. Was beautiful. Uh, well, I, I'm so proud of you for. I cannot forget that day. I'm so proud of you for doing it the right way, you know. And uh, we're certainly the better for having you for sure. Been talking with Carla Mancio. We're da- winding down to the end of our half hour, which we have one Thursday out of the month with Dance Alive National Ballet. There's always a story to tell about the ballet because not only is it uh, incredibly disciplined, but it's also very artistic and romantically beautiful. And it tells a story that you can't use words to tell. And another one of the things that Carla hasn't told about herself is she can express more feelings. I don't know if you, I know you know this, more feelings with your face than... It's just amazing. Sadness, happiness, you know, everything you can do. She's learned to do this. I know that's part of the discipline of the presentation. So it's not just in the feet and the arms and all that. It's also in the face and the smiles and the frowns. And this is the way in which these stories get told because you don't use words. And I've always been fascinated by that. You've got to pick the story up by the actions of the dancers. and. These are classical maneuvers, age old. You know, we're a very young country. 
couple hundred years, Carl, I know, has danced in places that were twice as old as the country we're in right now. The buildings, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's the way other cultures have been with ballet. Yeah. Well, for me, it's, um, like I said, to be at stage, it's uh, more than technique for me. It's show my love, you know, show my love through my art, through my, through my talent for the other people. And I get so happy when people come to me after the show and they, they don't talk about technique. They talk about how I touch them, how they start dreaming about other things, how they cry, how they smile. And this is the part that really touches me. And this is the part that really I get uh, emotional and happy. Because I said, oh, there you go. Then I, I'm really completely satisfied, you know, uh, because I know a lot of people goes there to have fun, to see this magical world, you know. And if I can bring a little bit of that to somebody's life, someone's life, um, it's already a gift you know, for me to do that. Well, that's a wonderful summation. It's a wonderful place for us to conclude the interview and um, very, very touching and revealing about what motivates you, Carla Mancio. You want to be sure to take a look now when Swan Lake comes up very soon, and we'll keep you mindful of that. We're going to let you get back to your routine now, Carla, and thanks for stopping by with me, and thanks for all the kind words. Uh, we'll be going into our weather report in a moment and be right back from the Ward Scott Files. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said 
is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Oh, a warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! All right, welcome back to Ward's Weather Report, brought to you by Lewis Oil, Chevron Stations. By golly, uh, we're supposed to have some rain today, a little bit of a soaker coming in, because we've got uh, a southwest kind of flow of water and air coming our way. I understand yesterday in Jacksonville area, they really got drenched. So uh, be prepared. Don't plan on painting outside today anything, because the rain will wash it off. And uh, we're going to get usually... After we get these rains, we get a little cooler weather. But I think next week we're actually supposed to get the reverse, a little warmer weather for a change. Actually, when I say warm, maybe 90. Right now we're in the 80s. So that's the story around where we are in these parts of the Piney Woods of North Central Florida. Well, 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 I want to talk about a local issue right now with you. Uh, so if you're in Africa or um, Europe, and we do have people listening to us and viewing us in Africa and Australia and Europe. And uh, it's kind of interesting when I asked production and uh, those guys to kind of uh, give me a printout on what's happening. Uh, people all over the world, really, with the Internet, have access. So for you guys who are in a different country, I apologize. But here locally, um, it is very interesting to those of us in this area about electrical power, and um, our demographics for our audience, mostly our audience is made up of older people, understandably because the issues we talk about are issues that pertain to us as we get older, and that's value of money and who is going to speak for us politically and all that. And really, when you're young, most of the time your mind's on something else, and you're enjoying youth. As you get older, you kind of look out for taking care of yourself, maybe perhaps a little bit more. But the, the interesting thing here is apparently the governor, Ron DeSantis, who no doubt is thinking about the presidential race, uh, has appointed three of the five members of this Gainesville Regional Utilities Authority Board. And um, none of them lives within... Uh, the city boundaries. Um, that's a subject verb error by Andrew Kaplan. I'm always interested in this. None of them live. That's the wrong subject verb agreement. None means not one. So not one of them lives. People want to say none means all. No, none does not mean all. None means not one of. So anyway, a little grammatical uh, tip for you all. None of them lives within the city boundaries. As required by law is what Andrew Kaplan has written. 
And according to House Bill uh, 1645, which was sponsored by uh, Chuck Clemens here, the House Bill states that four of the five members must be city voters residing within the municipal boundaries, the other in the county. Now, it's kind of interesting. City voters. Now, if it just said residing in the county, residing in the city, these politicians fudge on that all the time, right? They loosely interpret the word reside. It doesn't say homestead. It says reside. Well, what is a residence? A residence is you may rent and reside there maybe on the weekend or maybe during the week and live outside the county during the weekend. But if it really does say that you must be a city voter uh, and the other can be in the county and have GRU electrical services during their terms, uh, then the voter information, registration information by which this article is based shows that all three of these appointees live on the outskirts of the city. Now, let's talk about voter registration information. It's not always accurate. When you go down there to vote, they ask you, "Have you has anything changed? So I'm not prepared to say that the voter registration of these people is up to date. They may actually now vote in the city. And you know how it is with this voting. Anybody who can make a breath on a mirror can vote. And anybody who's running for office can claim something, which is of what, let's put it mildly, is a fudge. Um, we have that with the Hayes Santosa. Uh, Hayes Santosa claimed that he lived in a district which he had to live in in order to run for his office. When he was challenged about that by Jim Connish, I read the deposition. It was very hard to tell from the fudging going on in the answers where the dude actually lived. Oh, he had a friend here. Or he had a friend there. And he stayed with that friend there and there. Um, finally, I guess, he got away with it, if there was anything he was really getting away with. My point is, got to take a look at this and make sure that the governor didn't get it wrong because it will open up the door, I think, for somebody like this, Robert Carl Marx Hutch Hutchison, the communist commissioner, who was an Alachua County commissioner, who claimed he worked for GRU, and that was the reason he was all incensed about the city commission of Gainesville, which he was never on, to my knowledge, my recollection, being shortchanged here 
when the GRU authority was taken away from them. Now, come on. So you're going to let people file a lawsuit who don't have standing about people they claim don't have standing. Now, the whole lawsuit production by the liars, as I understand it, has been halted until this is cleared up. Now, I tried to reach Chuck Clemens today, but he's in Italy. So I couldn't get a comment from him. I reached out to Ed Belarski and got no comment back. So this is a, this is an interesting wrinkle to this. And hopefully, um, the language, as they say, the devil is in the details. There's much to be determined here. The bottom line is, you would think that if you pay GRU bills, you ought to have a say in what is done with that money. That money, which, you know, I think it's even stronger if you live outside the city and you pay the bill, but you have no say-so in how the money is spent solely in the city, well, you got a problem. So that's a, that's an interesting kind of situation. Um, Clemens says his bill is clear on the requirements, but nobody asked him anything about anyone's address prior to the governor selecting them. Now, I don't yet trust the paper to have it right, and we'll see what happens. Uh, <clears throat> the language of the law is always open to interpretation, and that's why liars get together and argue. And one liar argues that the words go north, so to speak, and the other liar argues that they go south. And then you listen to a jury of people, supposedly, who have total objectivity. They're not liars. And they try to, with their amateur ear, determine which is right. But they can be duped so easily. The classic example is the O.J. Simpson trial. I mean, good God, what a miscarriage of justice. The jury went along with it. The glove don't fit, you must quit. I mean, you had DNA all over the place. I had a black friend of mine tell me, why did you guys ignore the DNA? Oh, they said, my, my black friend, uh, oh, that's white man's voodoo. Well, there you are. I mean, we're dealing with human beings. And human beings, if we're not careful, can believe what they want to believe without any proof. <clears throat> so, also the law apparently has a criterion that they must have substantial knowledge of GRU. And um, apparently a couple of them really have substantial knowledge of um, um, utilities. So we'll see how it works out here. It is uh, um, interesting. And one of the guys is the head hospital administrator of North Florida. So uh, a guy named Lawson, he's a chief executive officer of the Hospital Corporation of North Florida. What that's like.
Well, interesting little story there, huh? Meanwhile, Washington, D.C., you've heard a lot about shut down. Are we going to shut down the government? Shut down the government. We're going to shut down the government. Well, Daniel Henniger, who is, can think pretty well, has said, what are you talking about? Shutting down the government. Uh, the government's shut down already. And what he means by that is that there are very few government employees that actually go into those big buildings anymore to work. The biggest one of which comes to my mind is the education building, the education department. Most of them now, uh, with the exception of maybe the Border Patrol agents, uh, have turned D.C., according to Henninger, into a ghost town. Now, if we had Ted Yoho here, we could ask about that because he goes to D.C. quite frequently. But Henninger says that of the nearly 300,000 federal workers in D.C., most don't show up in the, in the big stone buildings. Uh, this is, of course, a result of post-pandemic behavior. Um, he has some stats here. The Government Accountability Office found that 17 of the federal headquarter buildings surveyed were at 25% capacity or less. That computes to be 21.5 million square feet of office space. Now, the Government Accountability Office report says that government agencies spend about $2 billion a year to operate these federal offices, regardless of the building's utilization. So they spend, and this is typical D.C., is it not? They spend all the money as if the building were 100% full, but it's only 25% full. And post-pandemic desire of employees now is to work from home. That's become one of the cultural changes. But you've got Washington empty and the federal government is going to have to, according to Henninger and the GAO, GAO, figure out what type of office space and how much of it it really needs. Now, the Republicans have always believed that the liberals have been abusing this use of money and has they've introduced bills, uh, some of which have been called Drain the Swamp Act, and they've wanted to move the federal agencies out of D.C. Um, DeSantis has advocated that. He says that too much power has accumulated in D.C. and that the administrative state, that's the deep state, rules over us and imposes its will on us, but doesn't have any idea 
what we are. So this idea of decentralizing D.C., Washington, D.C., really is starting to go beyond just, just the conservatives. The Brookings Institute has taken this up, wanting to move federal jobs out of Washington. Um, Brookings Institute has noticed that many of the federal agencies have no real reason to be, be near Washington, D.C. For example, Food and Drug Administration, the SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission, uh, the Medicare and Medicaid agencies, the Census Bureau, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Well, could some of those could some of those be moved to places that are more appropriate, like Cleveland for uh, National Institute of Health? Um, Cleveland is becoming a biotech hub linked to the Cleveland Clinic. So all this controversy over office work versus work at home is now kind of been moved closer to the front burner. Doesn't mean anything will get done. Um, the uh, great monuments and museums, they would, they would remain as a tourist destination. The FBI building could become and this is a joke and not a joke, an FBI museum. Uh, the, the Some of these institutions have become so corrupt that the buildings they claim they reside in, they don't really deserve to claim they reside there. Speaking of cities that are emptying out, let me take a sip here. Speaking of cities that are emptying out, the teenagers mobbed the downtown stores of Philadelphia uh, Tuesday night. And all across the nation, in these cities, this is happening. It's become a rampage, rampage of crime. Um, the mobs in Philadelphia hit Apple, Lulamon, Foot Locker. The Foot Locker store was ransacked in a coordinated attack, said the cops. Um, it's starting to affect these cities' tax base. It's starting to affect their presentation as a place that is welcoming. Philadelphia is supposed to be this wonderful heartland of America type deal. Anger is growing toward these prosecuting attorneys because they are waving off property crime. Um, reports of retail theft Consequently, have increased uh, to 13,330, more than 30% more than compared to a year ago. Now, this has come, believe it or not, to a place near you. 
I'm just, I'm just going to be very honest with you here. There's no Publix east of Main Street. And there won't be. Where the sheriff's office is, used to be the Winn-Dixie. Couldn't do any business there. Too much theft. Really? Santa Fe College, downtown campus at 6th Street and University, is considered its east campus because that's as far east as it dare go. And trust me, I know what I'm talking about. Who told the city fathers that? Don't go any farther east with the college. Black leaders in this community said that. Because that campus, if you go too far east, will be dangerous and nobody will go. So this is not really a new phenomenon. But it's gotten worse in the cities where the victim is the criminal and the criminal is the victim. I get that right? The criminal is the victim and the victim is the criminal. Now, if you really want to see artistically where this all was predicted, I want to introduce you to Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange was a futuristic novel that predicted this. It predicted it. That the youth would become uncontrollable. There's the classic moment in Clockwork Orange where the mother and father, and it's written by a linguistic expert, so he knew how to use language in an original way. The mother and father, are they reside in a little cubicle-type apartment. You see them all up and down Newberry Road now, all around the university. And the mother, the father, let's see how it goes. The father asks the mother where the son is, Alex. And the father is called the fither, and the mother is called the mither. And the mither says to the fither, oh, he's out helping and such. Well, when he was out helping and such, he was actually on a crime rampage. Now, this work, those who study it and read it, say this was a prediction of where we're going to be and where we are indeed now. Those people who broke into those stores, many, wore Halloween masks. Now, to be honest, they probably have never read or seen the marvelous movie, Clockwork Orange. But in Clockwork Orange, they wore masks. 
Halloween mass type deals. Art prediction, art predicting truth. There is one other work you can read that predicts it. And it's Jerzy Kaczynski's The Painted Bird. If you were to read Clockwork Orange and The Painted Bird, which I did in the 60s or the 70s, long in there, you would say that's coming sometime in the future. This is 2023. It has come. The breakdown of law and order, the breakdown of the judicial system, the breakdown of the institutions, education, the courts, the family, the work ethic. That's why it's so appropriate when the mither says to the fither, oh, he's out helping and such. No, he's not. He's not out helping and such. But that is what the mither and the fither want to believe. Oh, he just went to the footlocker to buy a pair of sneakers. Right? He just went to the footlocker to buy a pair of sneakers. No, he didn't. He crashed the footlocker along with his hooligan friends and cleaned the place out. How's that work? Take a look at those two works. Have a good time. Have a great weekend. Not weekend, really, is. I'm day early. Have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.